I'm Bruce Collins, and you're listening to Exploring Boys Education, a regular podcast produced by the International Boys Schools Coalition. This episode is the first of our Season 2 Exploring Books features, and our guest is well known in IBSC circles. Dr. Shimmy Kang is a parent of three and an award-winning Harvard-trained doctor, researcher, media expert, writer, and keynote speaker. She is the author of The Dolphin Parents, A Guide to Raising Healthy, Happy, and Self-Motivated Kids, and The Self-Motivated Kid. She hosts Mental Wealth with Dr. Shimmy Kang on YouTube and is the founder of the Dolphin Kids Future Ready Leaders Social Emotional Learning Programs for students, teachers, and parents around the world. We are also privileged here at IBSC to partner with Shimmy on two IBSC online classes, The Self-Motivated Boy and a new class that launches in February 2021 called The Tech Solution, which is based on Shimmy's new book of the same name, and this is what we'll be discussing later in this episode with Shimmy too. But first, for more on Shimmy's Tech Solution class, it's great to be joined again by my colleague, IBSC's COO, Amy Ahart, for the IBSC Newsreel. Amy, welcome back to Exploring Boys Education. Thank you, Bruce, for having me back, and hello, listeners. Today, I would like to highlight our upcoming online classes. On February 8th, 2021, we'll be facilitating a number of online classes, including our Teachers New to Boys Schools class, the second cohort of our New Boys and Belonging class, and a class we're developing based on Ada Sinecore's research on boys and responsible sexual citizenship. Relevant to your conversation today, Bruce, another new class will also launch in February. Join fellow boys educators in this global online class led by award-winning Harvard-trained psychiatrist, and number one best-selling author, Shimmy Kang, for a fascinating journey through the tech habits children need to achieve their full potential. Engage on your own flexible timetable in this four-week-long asynchronous class. Each week, Dr. Kang frames the lessons of her new book, The Tech Solution, through an educator's lens. This class also starts on February the 8th with the others in 2021, and I'd urge people to sign up now to secure their place. That's right, Bruce. If listeners are interested, they can visit the IBSC website and click on the online classes link under the conferences and events tab to get more information about the tech solution and our other classes. We hope you'll join us. Thank you for highlighting this and other opportunities, Amy. It's always good to have you on. Uh, We'll connect next time again. Next up, we talk to Dr. Shimmy Kang about her new book, The Tech Solution, Creating Healthy Habits for Kids Growing Up in a Digital World. Shimmy, great to be speaking to you again. Uh, To get us going with this conversation, tell us a little bit about why you wrote this book and at this particular time. Right. Yes. So, Bruce, as you said, uh, I'm a mom of three children and I have two teenage boys and a girl. And I would say, um, I think just first as a parent, you know, I was just um, in awe of how my kids were drawn to technology like a magnet and even how I was. Uh, And my background as an addiction psychiatrist, um, you know, that's my training and research. And that's what I studied um, is the science of human motivation. I was very interested in what was going on, both from a scientific level as a researcher, 
Um, as a clinician who saw lots of teenagers, um, many, many young boys over years, um, really dealing with um, and seeing this rise in technology use and families and teachers struggling. It was one of the most common questions I had when I was talking and speaking about the dolphin parent, um, when I was looking at what was happening in parenting in children's lives. So I think, um, you know, even though there's so much for us to think about these days, um, the topic of technology and how we use technology in the service of our goods, our health, happiness, our motivation, versus are we allowing technology to use us? Um, I feel this is a key question for this generation. Uh, if they get it right, it will certainly um, improve their lives. If they don't, uh, it can lead to serious harm. As you and I were speaking before we started recording, Shimi, you were reflecting on the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on tech use, particularly in children and teens. And I'd love for our listeners to hear your thoughts on this, because it seems to me to be an important starting point for our conversation today. Right. So prior to COVID, we knew that, um, you know, teens on average were um, averaging seven to nine hours on screens outside of school and homework. Uh, we knew that the average tween and teen were checking their phone 150 times a day. Um, and that isn't like meaningful connection. That's checking their phone, um, scrolling. Think of the disruption in our attention and our focus. Uh, and then since COVID, of course, technology use is an essential part of life uh, and we're seeing great benefits. However, we're also seeing a rise in cyberbullying, um, charities and nonprofits that support cyberbullying. 81% are saying they're, get, they're seeing an increase. We're seeing about a 75, 8%, 78% rise in video gaming time. We're seeing an increase in racism and hate, um, anti-Asian, anti-Black, anti-Indigenous um, rhetoric and hate online. And so I think, you know, a, a, that like the pandemic has done for so many issues, it's really broadened, shines a light on the benefits and drawbacks of um, this technology for us and really has made it even more imperative that we make this a top top priority in terms of what are we doing, what is our relationship, and how can we create healthy habits for young people? I'd like us to move on to some of the things you highlight in your book, Shimi. And the one thing that I really love as an English teacher is the metaphor that you use called the fire of our time. Tell us about that. Right. So the fire of our time is really a, um, a symbolism here that technology is a human innovation, maybe one of the most profound human innovations as fire, meaning, you know, when our early ancestors discovered the power to harness fire, it changed our civilization, it changed our lives. Uh, we came down from the trees, we were able to sit together at a fire, like you mentioned, Bruce, um, and actually it led to uh, uh, leaps in our innovation and our growth, including actually our brain growth, um, uh, because it allowed us to be social and have access to um, territories. So we're really at the same place. Technology is such a profound tool. It is an innovation that can take us further and farther than ever before, if it is used in um, the, the right way, in a way that is in service of our health, happiness, and success. But like fire, um, without the proper knowledge um, of it, um, it can have serious consequences, both to the individual and to society. 
Shimi, you talk in the tech solution about technology's attention economy. And this strikes me again as important when speaking about boys' engagement with technology on a daily basis. Right. So I, my background is actually, I'm an addiction psychiatrist. So my currency of understanding is something called dopamine. Dopamine is our neurochemical of reward and short-term pleasure. Um, it is a neurochemical of addiction. It's what hooks us, attracts us. And um, what we know now in the embedded design of technological devices and products and platform, um, they are using persuasive design, a purposeful manipulation of the brain's dopamine pathways to attract us and keep us connected to these devices and platforms. Now, I do want to say, I don't think there's a big conspiracy and that the industry was trying to destroy the lives of families and children. Um, but it is certainly um, a side effect of this um, this consumer, this industry that, of course, wants to sell products like any other industry, and they found a way to hook people. The problem here is um, these short bursts of dopamine um, are highly addictive, uh, and um, on one end of the screen is the most sophisticated neuroscience known to man um, being used by, you know, top um, multi-billion dollar companies. The attention economy is bigger than oil and um, gas and any other economy combined right now. Uh, and on the other end of the screen is a young, underdeveloped, immature brain, a prefrontal cortex that isn't fully myelinated, um, and I say it's a mismatch. It's like taking a knife to a laser fight. You also explore the power of habits in your book in relation to kids' use of technology. And it seems to me that technology's attention economy that you've just unpacked for us and the power of habits in young boys is closely related in this conversation. Right. Uh, I believe I opened that chapter with Aristotle's quote, something like, we are but a mass of habits. Uh, and what I mean by that is the human brain, if you understand, if you go to a forest and you see trails there, those trails developed over time by people walking on them. Um, our neural trails, our neural pathways develop the exact same way. When we repetitively do something, we develop a pathway and the more we do it, the stronger it gets. Why is that important with technology? Well, what we know is technology is being wired and fired together. These habits are being developed with um, uh, the emotions of uh, stress. Uh, we know that young people are using tech primarily for short-term bursts of pleasure and entertainment as opposed to longer-term learning. Um, and so they're firing and wiring tech with coping skills, distracting themselves, um, short-term hits of dopamine, uh, and we're seeing bad habits, uh, really, just like we need healthy habits with food, a healthy relationship. Um, we also need the same with tech. Now, luckily, the young brain is what we call neuroplastic, and habits can be formed easier and can be changed more readily. So I think developing, and we know the science supports developing um, healthy habits, firing and wiring technology to healthy uh, use is so important in that young brain 
um, and much easier to unwind than later in life. Um, that, and we know that's true from a neuroscience perspective. What's clear to me too, Shami, as we've been speaking and as I've read your book, is that it's important for us, both parents and teachers, to have a balanced approach to tech use. We could so easily fall into polarized responses or camps, can't we? Uh, Some would suggest that boys should be on tech as little as possible, while others might feel they don't need to monitor boys' tech use at all. Right. Yes, we tend to kind of polarize and be either or. but um, And that's why the fire analogy was something I felt so important is that, no, it's both. Um, It's highly beneficial. It's highly harmful. Um, And I'm hoping in the book, you know, I lay out this metaphor of a tech diet, which we're going to talk about, um, but it's like a balanced diet of food. You know, we can't have an either or approach with our nutrition. Um, The food we consume impacts our body. The tech we consume impacts our mind and body. And we need that balanced approach the exact same way. Another thing that I really love about your book is how you connect the ideas and strategies you've developed to neuroscience. And so leading on from our conversation about attention economy and habits, dopamine plays an enormous role in boys' consumption of technology, doesn't it? Especially when you consider how addicted boys can become to gaming. Right. So it's fascinating. I don't think we know exactly how. Um, There are different theories, but in general, if we understand kind of the hunter-gatherer brain, and of course, gender is not binary, but um, the male brain, the hunter brain, let's say, um, gets those hits of dopamine when they hunt. Um, So think of a video game, you're leveling up, um, but you're also gathering, you're gathering coins, you're gathering points. So it really feeds on such primal um, instincts that we have um, in our human neurobiology. And we know that boys um, in particular are um, at a slightly higher risk for the gaming addiction, um, the internet addiction disorder and gaming disorder that was uh, now a medical diagnosis um, by the WHO, World Health Organization. Um, And if you talk to any teacher, any parent of a boy, um, you're going to start to hear what is going on. And, um, you know, when we think of the criteria of that addiction, it's out of control video game use with negative consequences impacting their physical, mental health or social health um, and a sense of cravings and compulsion. And so many young boys I talk to in my practice um, tell me that they are craving this, that they feel happy when they do it. They go into withdrawal when they're not gaming. Um, And there's countless stories um, in my own practice of families that have really been torn apart um, by this, um, you know, video gaming use, overuse and addiction. So um, although on one hand it's a game, on the other hand, like gambling, like other significant um, addiction behaviors, it can have such serious consequences. So is there hope for boys, Shami, particularly considering the addictive nature of the tech with which they engage? Yes, absolutely. So remember that young brain is neuroplastic. When we get good habits in early, um, they develop a trail. And if we really get that that trail strong, it becomes automatic. Um, and so uh, that's why it's so imperative to bring in um, these concepts, develop those healthy pathways and healthy associations with tech at an early age. 
stage. If And I do want to say it's not too late because I do hear parents and teachers saying, well, isn't it too late when, you know, they're in grade 12 or grade 10? And no, it's not. The brain has this ability um, our entire lives um, and definitely more so under the age of 25. So we're in this unique, um, wonderful place where we can impact positive change that is truly lasting um, and truly um, not just for health, but of course, for happiness and for success, we want these young, brilliant minds to be using this powerful innovation um, to solve world problems, to help with things like climate change and racism and food shortages and the, the things that are facing us and tech can allow them to do it if they are using it um, on the, uh, in, in that way. So Shimmy, we've spoken about dopamine, but another neurochemical at play here is cortisol. And this as you talk about in your book, plays a huge role in boys' consumption of tech, particularly in their interaction with social media. So my question for you is, is is social media making boys feel stressed and lonely? Yes, uh, absolutely. And, you know, the research is outlined in the Tech Solution book. Uh, one of the key things that we don't realize is so stressful for all of us, and especially that young brain is comparing our lives to others online and this FOMO fear of missing out. They seem like just mild things like, oh, I saw someone else's award or where their family is, you know, uh, you know, what they're able to do during COVID and what we're not able to do or whatever the comparison is. Um, teenagers and tweens in particular are neurochemically um, designed or driven to want to fit in and to want to be included in part of a group. So if they feel excluded FOMO or they feel not good enough, it actually lights up that area of their brain that's the same place for starvation. Um, it is such a primal need for them. And so fear of missing out comparisons, which is what's happening on social media, uh, really is linked to release of cortisol, which is toxic to our mind and body. Um, so again, not all social media is bad. It is using it for their purpose. What are you using social media for? Are you doing activism, community building? That's great, that's different versus FOMO and comparisons. Over the years, Shimmy, I, like many others, have experienced the benefits of self-care and maybe it's a skill that I would have loved to have learned earlier in my life. But um, in line with your comments about a balanced approach to technology, you outlined some positive spin-offs of tech, particularly regarding self-care and self-care practices, or even ways of engaging with tech um, that can be seen as an antidote to the toxic and junk tech we've been speaking about. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I say that, um, you know, in, in the first chapters, we talked about toxic tech, cortisol, junk tech, dopamine, and now it's all about the healthy tech, of which the first neurochemical is endorphin. Um, endorphin uh, is released when we take care of ourselves and tech can help us do that. Tech can help us uh, monitor our fitness through Fitbit and our steps and our cardiovascular health. Tech can help us meditate and practice mindfulness. Uh, my sons use, um, you know, apps to, you know, LeBron James is on the Calm app and he's, they love him and they just did um, his meditation group. So uh, tech can help us with gratitude, gratitude journaling. Um, there's so much, there's so many ways um, that tech can bring this to us, sleep, monitoring our sleep. All of these ask things are vital to our health. All of them release endorphin um, and tech can be a wonderful tool uh, to practice um, and get more involved in self-care. And if you don't think it's possible, I can tell you all my teenagers first question it. But once we get them going, they love it. They absolutely love doing 
um, and taking care of themselves. In addition to this, Shimi, you also highlight the fact that not all screen time is causing young people to lose the ability to understand and share the feelings of others. Um, and in my mind, this is a this is a crucial insight. Right. So that's the second ingredient in our healthy tech diet, which is oxytocin. Oxytocin is released uh, when we connect in meaningful ways with each other. Um, and tech can do that for sure. So, you know, we know that even video conferencing now, just think of COVID pandemic. Um, you know, we weren't able to see each other. We weren't able to physically be together. Um, but what did we do and what did we find um, connection and joy in? FaceTiming, Skype, uh, URL, all these different video conferencing. It is definitely better than texting email. When we see each other's eyes, when we look at each other's faces, hear each other's voices, we get oxytocin. Look at community building that is happening online through crowdsourcing, through young people putting out ideas, um, and look at activism that young people are really involved in. So many boys um, have passions. And so when we use tech for um, positive social connection, for community building activism, for true conversations, um, then we actually see release of oxytocin, that mirror neurons, that empathy that is such a vital key skill. So, uh, yeah, that is the second ingredient of our healthy tech diet. I'd love you to share too, Shimmy, about how tech is boosting creativity, which is another powerful and positive outcome of healthy tech engagement. Yes, absolutely. So the third ingredient of our healthy tech diet is serotonin. So serotonin is our neurochemical of mastery, of learning, of creativity, of innovation. And my goodness, there's so much that can happen online, um, you know, robotics, coding, uh, photography, you know, we want to move children from instead of looking at other people's pictures, mindlessly scrolling Instagram to creating their own art, creating their own photography, their own movies. And so tech allows uh, for a lot of creativity and innovation in so many areas. And that releases serotonin. It makes us feel good about ourselves. Online learning, remote learning is an example. And children are mastering subjects and learning. Um, they are getting that hit of serotonin. So really, um, the healthy tech diet is um, care, connect, and create, self-care, connect in meaningful ways, and be creative and innovative, use, and use tech for those three Cs, uh, for endorphin, oxytocin, and serotonin. Now we have moving towards tech uh, being used for our health, happiness, and success uh, versus just eyeballs on a screen. So, Shimmy, all the way through this interview, you've been alluding to the idea of a healthy tech diet. And the food metaphor you use in the book is central to the insights you share when it comes to the tech solution. As we near the end of this conversation, I'd love for you to share more about this idea of a healthy tech diet and how this food analogy applies to kids' use or boys' use of technology. Yeah, it applies in a variety of ways. Um, one is we needed, it's such an overwhelming topic for so many people. Um, and we were using this idea of screen time. Um, and, you know, it's impossible to count. And in fact, now with the pandemic, it's even harder to figure out screen time. Uh, we needed to go to screen quality. And this is where this concept of the diet came to me very organically speaking to parents. I was, I wanted something that they were familiar with and teachers already knew to how to talk about. Um, <clears throat> so like we teach um, a food diet, we can do the same with tech. We have to start early. We have to be repetitive. We have to understand 
that even though we can control our classrooms, they're still going to go out to other places, um, but we can still maintain a certain um, knowledge and uh, structure in our classrooms. You know, if you, you know, we don't allow Coke anymore or, um, you know, and the schools are understanding how diet impacts learning. We can do the same with tech. Uh, so we have to be repetitive, consistent, understand that we can only um, manage certain areas that the world is going to offer um, junk and toxic experiences, just like food. And then uh, understand this paradigm of how the diet works. So you want to avoid toxic tech, like toxic food. You want to avoid cyberbullying. You want to avoid hate. You want to avoid prolonged periods of sitting, sleep deprivation, all of those toxic FOMO comparisons that we discussed. You want to limit and monitor the junk tech, just like junk food. A little bit of pizza and chips is fine, um, but too much is unhealthy. So limit and monitor the mindless scrolling, the zoning out with video gaming, any of those dopamine-driven behaviors. And you want to guide children to consume healthy tech, care, connect, and create, self-care, mindfulness, exercise, sleep connection, meaningful relationships, meaningful community building, and creativity, using tech to learn and innovate and um, be creative. Now you have the tech diet. We can use this metaphor um, in, in a variety of ways, and it's a lifelong metaphor um, that people can carry with them. So that's really the goal of it. Um, and like any diet, any nutrition, it's not a quick fix. We have to stay on track. We can fall off. Um, just like when the pandemic started, we all ate more junk food and we all use more junk tech. Well, now it, we got to get back on track and get those habits back in place. So I think it's something that is familiar and, and hopefully very practical and helpful based on science for people. As we close, Shami, I'd love for you to share how what we've been exploring in this conversation connects to the new intelligence you speak about in your other work. Right. Yeah. So in the Dolphin Parent, I introduced this concept of CQ. Uh, you know, we know that, of course, the world has changed uh, and we're, we're moving our school system towards what started a very left brain kind of um, technological IQ driven uh, approach. And then we understood that there's more to it. We need EQ. We need emotional. Um, but we don't want left right brain. We want full integration of all of our intelligence our heart brain, our, our gut brain, our head brain. Uh, and that's what we call CQ, consciousness quotient, the five C's of communication, collaboration, critical thinking, creativity, and contribution. So if we can guide children to use tech uh, towards a healthy tech diet, we will get um, better results um, in these five C's of 21st century learning or future ready skills. Now we're actually using tech to advance our society, to advance those individuals towards being more collaborative, more um, of a con con contributor, um, and uh, really being able to tap in to their highest level of potential and intelligence. Um, that is the vision, and that is what we can do. Uh, and it's being it's happening. So I really encourage all of you to share your ideas because um, there's so many wonderful ideas that are already on the ground in the IBSC system. Uh, exchange those ideas so we can get to that kind of future ready uh, leadership, that generation that we need. 
Once again, Shami, like always, you've been very generous with your time and your expertise. And, and I just want to thank you again for sharing these wonderful insights with us. And I want to encourage people to get out and, and buy your book, The Tech Solution. Thank you, Bruce. Um, you know, just really value the work that you're all doing. This is a tough time for all of us. And I think this coming together and collaboration is just uh, perfect and much needed. So thank you. You can buy Shimmy's book in good bookstores worldwide or online. And feel free to visit her website, drshimmykang.com, for additional resources and downloads. And if you'd like a deep dive into the lessons of this book, The Tech Solution, framed through a boy's educator's lens, be sure to sign up for the IBSC Tech Solution online class, which starts on February 8th, 2021. Until our next episode of Exploring Boys Education, keep safe and keep well.